Welcome to Basketball Network, my name is Harry and today we'll be talking with former NBA player Gert Hamming. Gert was born in the Netherlands and he had a very interesting basketball journey. He played college ball at LSU with Shaquille O'Neal and Mahmoud Abdul-Raouf, Chris Jackson at the time, and went on to the NBA where he had a short stint with the Orlando Magic and the Golden State Warriors. He made his name in Europe playing for distinguished clubs like Alba Berlin, Ajax Athens and Aris among others. And Gert is currently the head coach of ZZ Leiden in the first Dutch league. Gert, welcome to the show. <laughs> Thank Gert, you, glad to be here. Awesome, awesome. So, um, Gert, can you, you know, can, can you talk about your beginnings? You are, uh, you're, you're, you're born in the Netherlands, which is, you know, primarily, a, I guess, a, a football country known much more than, than basketball. How did you start uh, playing basketball? Uh, you know, what was your, I guess, uh, can you talk about more, more about your journey uh, to LSU and how you got recruited? How did everything happen for you? Well, uh, you're right. It's a, it's a soccer country here, a football country. Um, but I never played that sport. Yeah, I played it with my friends on the street and on, uh, you know, uh, uh, some grass uh, patches. Uh, in my neighborhood, but not or, uh, in, in an organization or in a club. Uh, we were a pretty athletic family, though, where we um, were always, you know, obviously, you know, um, you know, sports are not played in school right here, but in clubs. So, uh, you know, I was heavily into swimming at first and tennis from the age of six. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, got my diplomas in, in swimming pretty quickly. Then I was pretty decent in tennis as well, where I got into some advanced uh, selection procedures. And, um, you know, back in the day, I'm an old man, uh, you know, tennis was baseline to baseline and the serve volley guys hadn't, hadn't come onto the scene yet. Mm -hmm. And but, uh, at age 14, I was, uh, you know, two meters tall. Whoa. And that was an, uh, yeah, that was, a, that was a, an, an oddity in tennis at that time. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, my, my, uh, on the road to a national selection sort of procedure in tennis, uh, my coach suggested for my footwork uh, to either play soccer next to tennis or basketball. Um, uh, at that point, at age 14, I chose basketball. Mm -hmm. And that was it, really. <laughs> you know, within, uh, I think, a half a year or nine months, I was... Uh, I was uh, chosen into the pre-selection in, in the trajectory towards the national team, the national youth team. Mm -hmm. And that uh, took, uh, it, it took a bunch of my time, um, which, which I didn't regret. My, my parents were not too happy about it regarding school and academics. Mm -hmm. So uh, at that point, I dropped tennis. I had to. Uh, I love tennis, by the way, but I had to drop it. Um, and uh, the complete focus at that time was the school and basketball. And I think uh, within a year after I started playing basketball, I was invited for the, uh, for the, back then it was, I think, under 15 as opposed to under 16 national team. And I was a year younger than the rest. And I really couldn't play. I was just, I was coordinated uh, to, to a certain degree for somebody that tall and had pretty decent hands and, you know, but really didn't know how to play. But, and I was a year younger. So, um, latched on to that national team that was my first experience and then uh, you know played never at the highest level here because uh, I grew up in a relatively small village and there was no uh, professional team anywhere close uh, to my town and my parents wouldn't allow me to travel an hour and a half to uh, to practice and play 
if I didn't get my academics straightened out. <laughs> and uh, so I never played at the highest level here, played at the second level. And, uh, but simultaneously throughout the next four years, I also played national teams, uh, mm -hmm. youth national teams. Mm -hmm. And uh, that really got me uh, on the map. Uh, a kind of funny side story was that uh, a guy heavily involved with the Dutch national uh, youth program and the, and the national team was Vladimir Hager, who just passed away uh, uh, last week. Mm -hmm. um, and he, he had been in contact uh, before with Coach Dill Brown at LSU about Rick Smith. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, you know, but uh, the, all of this is before the internet uh, era. And uh, <laughs> Coach Brown, you know, passed on Rick Smith at that time. You know, suggested maybe uh, through LSU, maybe a junior college and then come back to, uh, to LSU. But Rick Smith, of, of course, famously chose Marist College. I mean, Marist University. Mm -hmm. And uh, obviously did really, really well. So when uh, Vladimir Hager called Coach Brown maybe three years later with another tall Dutch guy named Gerd Hamming, uh, Coach Brown was interested immediately and was not going to make that mistake twice. Now, yeah, did yeah. that turn out to be a second Rick Smith? No, not at all. But uh, <laughs> from the age of 16, uh, Coach Brown and, uh, and LSU uh, started uh, recruiting me as a big word, but were in touch with me. And uh, they were the first uh, U.S. college to be in touch with me. So mm -hmm. then the next three years, I played national teams. And actually, uh, I was the leading scorer of the, uh, I think, 1988 European Championships uh, wow. with 27.7 uh, points per game. Mm -hmm. And uh, Henrik Rodel was, uh, I think, second or third. And um, uh, Komazic, who you know, was mm -hmm. uh, third, I think, um, or second, second or third. But those three are pretty big names in European basketball, of course. But... At that point in time, all of a sudden, uh, you know, at that point in time, that was 1988, the summer, uh, uh, there were, I had 25 American colleges recruiting me. Wow. But I was also the leading score, uh, scorer of the European championships. And all of a sudden, big European teams also called me. But again, this is before the internet uh, era. And I had no way of, of figuring out or comparing uh, what was going on. But and I had only one week of, go ahead. You, you, you got the letters, uh, you know, uh, from all those schools home, and I, I imagine that must have been exciting. But you already committed to LSU back then, or you were still no, 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 available? No, not at all. I mean, I, look, these guys called me uh, mostly in the middle of the night, uh, <laughs> you know, with the time difference. And, you know, we have one phone on the wall uh, in our house with, with a cord and a rotary dial. So it drove my parents crazy that these guys called at <laughs> 3 and 4 in the morning. And, uh, but I hadn't decided at all anything. I didn't know how to compare because all 25 schools said the same thing pretty much. Said we were the best athletically and we're the best academically. And, you know, there's no comparative sites uh, because there was no internet where, where I could really make an informed decision. Mm -hmm. So, uh, and, then, and then all the way at the end, also European clubs came. Like, like uh, I don't remember exactly, but I think some Spanish teams and uh, maybe also Israeli team. And I don't know exactly anymore because I never really considered it. The dream was United States. Yeah. So uh, I thought in my uh, Dutch reasoning that it would be fair. I had one weekend off that, that summer between national team and everything yeah? mm -hmm. to, uh, to visit the school that started recruiting me three years earlier. And it was LSU. And believe me, Harry, I didn't know the difference between LSU and any other school. So I flew there on a Friday, flew back Sunday, and it was the most, the most amazing uh, experience I had to that point in my life. And uh, 
you know, before I jumped on the plane, I signed the letter of intent and that was it. Uh, you know, a month later, I was, I was at uh, Louisiana State University for five years. Amazing. What a story. It's crazy that, you know, you were thrown into, into fire in a way, uh, you know, just not playing basketball all your life. And, you know, uh, your, your, your tennis coach, uh, like you said, advising you to, 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 to do it because of footwork and then it ends up being your career. Amazing story. Exactly. <laughs> it's a weird, weird twist, really. Yeah. Yeah. Um, your LSU career, uh, you had a great, uh, you had a great uh, senior year. I mean, LSU is an, is an amazing school. You guys, you guys played, you know, uh, in the tournament every year. You had Mahmoud Abul Rauf, you had Shaquille O'Neal, you had a few other NBA players. Uh, I imagine, and we're going to get to that. I imagine it was, uh, it was, it was really cool playing against Shaq uh, day in and day out <laughs> in, in, in practices. But, you know, can you, can you just talk more about the LSU experience, uh, you know, uh, just competing at that kind of level and playing the tournament every year? Uh, also, uh, what happened your sophomore year? I, I noticed, I noticed that, uh, I don't know if you, if you, if you were injured or something, but uh, I guess the stats were missing <laughs> that year. Uh, so yeah, can you just talk, talk more about the LSU experience itself? Well, the experience was amazing. Uh, you know, it, it, it's maybe a little bit of a cliche, but I believe, um, uh, possibly to every cliche, there's also some truth uh, to it. So, you know, between the age of uh, 18 and, and 23, uh, most, most boys become men, of course. So uh, Louisiana and Louisiana State University, Coach Brown and the assistant coaches and my teammates had a huge influence as to the person I am today, I suppose. So, you know, I told you, I, I thought I was uh, uh, pretty big time. No, that's, that's not true. That's more of a joke. But, but uh, you know, coming out of the European Championship for, for junior teams, uh, you know, I, th I thought I could play a little bit. Um, I wasn't arrogant or anything, any of that, but confident, yeah? Mm -hmm. But that confidence was, uh, was gone pretty quickly when I stepped uh, foot on LSU campus. Um, You know, the, the basketball, first of all, was very, very different. And mind you, I had never seen a college basketball game before. Never. Uh, never seen any of the players, never seen any of the plays. Back then, the only, the only footage you got from, from the United States was some VHS tape that went around of the, uh, the dunk contest <laughs> and the All-Star game that, that yeah. we passed around between practices. So I came there and the basketball was completely different. So uh, that was a huge adjustment period. And... Uh, You know, I've got some help uh, from Ricky Blanton, captain, that talked to me a couple of times. Russell Grant was a friend of mine, or, and all the other teammates as well. You know, Vernell Singleton, uh, Chris Jackson, who you refer to, who's now, uh, you know, of course, named uh, Mahmoud. Uh, great, great teammates. But I had some adjusting to do. Uh, it was completely different. So, and also, you know, that was the first time in 1988 in Europe, there was not a whole lot of weightlifting going on. So... I started lifting weights there for the first time. And I swear the first two months I couldn't walk even to classes. I was, I was more crawling than walking. I mean, it's a whole different sort of circumstances. Probably lost some touch for your shot. You know, the, soft well, touch. yeah, I mean, everything was different, man. So uh, there was some adjustment going on there in the first year. We had an amazing year. I thought at least that's how I experienced it. Um, we were somewhat underdogs and uh, with Ricky Blanton uh, as a captain and an undersized big man. Mm -hmm. we, uh, we played for the biggest crowd uh, at that time and for a long time in the, in the New Orleans Superdome against then uh, ranked second uh, Georgetown, Hoyas. Yeah? Mm -hmm. They were ranked but had won uh, the game before and the number one had lost. So they were virtually number one. 
And we played in front of 66,000 people in, wow. in the New Orleans Superdome. That's uh, about a half year. I was at, uh, into my first year at LSU. My mom came over for the first time. My, my dad had just uh, switched jobs. He couldn't come. She was sitting there halfway in the crowd and barely could follow. She said, these Americans are crazy. But uh, <laughs> couldn't really follow the game. I mean, so many people at a basketball game. So it was an amazing year. We beat, uh, we beat uh, the Hoyas back then in front of 66,000 people. And um, with, the, with the last second shot by Ricky Blanton, it was amazing. And then the SEC tournament and, and the such. And we did well. But in that summer, well, wait, when I got there, also Stanley Roberts got there. But he was, uh, uh, he was uh, a Prop 48. That's an abbreviation for Proposition 48. We had to sit out the first year academically. And uh, so he was eligible after my first year, the summer after my first year. Also, he's a seven-footer that was drafted, played for Real Madrid, also in the NBA for years. Um, and and that, that summer, Shaq came in. So... You know, I'm a seven-footer, two big, big, big-time seven-footers. Shaq and, uh, and Stanley Roberts were eligible, uh, or, you know, Stanley became eligible and Shaq just came in. And I didn't play much my first year, but there was absolutely no um, prospect of playing even that sort of numbers or minutes uh, my second year. Mm -hmm. So in, in uh, conversation with Coach Brown, uh, we thought it wise at that time to redshirt uh, the second year. Okay. Yeah. And that's what I did. So I practiced, didn't play the second year. Mm -hmm. And actually, I mean, that saved me because, uh, you know, obviously I'm not, you know, I'm saying obvious, but I think most people know that Shaq stayed uh, three years at college uh, at LSU. Mm -hmm. If he would have stayed uh, a fourth year, I probably would have never played. Yeah, mm -hmm. I was always his backup. Um, if I wouldn't have redshirted, uh, I also would have been done after, at, in the summer that he uh, that he went hardship. So was, I wouldn't have was played. A, it was a very you know wise decision, uh, yeah. I guess for, from you and coach uh, because I, I saw that you know you you really you <laughs> you're like the most improved player in college basketball. I guess uh, you're from your if you take the stats from 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 your three years and then your your senior year you had 15 and something and then 10 boards. Uh, which is which is you know good enough for the NBA. <laughs> which is oh, it was good enough. Yeah, obviously. I look. I mean, uh, Shaq went hardship. I must say, I was a little overweight. I'm uh, probably uh, weighed in at two seventy five at that time. Um, and he went hardship, and I was like, oh shoot, uh, I'm probably going to have to play this last senior year. Yeah. So uh, I went on a uh, uh, Coca Cola light diet <laughs> and started <laughs> running a little bit in the summer, dropped some weight, and um, you know, I was a starter all of a sudden, and uh, you know, we were again underdogs in the SEC. But uh, it's a maybe funny side note: we won more games my uh, senior year than uh, than we won the, the the season before with Shaq at starter. Not yeah. compare myself <laughs> to Shaq, but but it's a, a funny little side note. So we went to the NCAA tournament again. I have five of those watches, and it was a super, you know, successful year in uh, in um, for LSU basketball, I believe. Awesome, awesome. Yeah, I saw you guys lost in the second round, and then the year, the year prior with Shaq, it was it was the first round. So yeah, it was it was a better year. Um, correct? Yeah. I, well, I th well, I think that's the other way around. I'm not really sure. It's a long time ago, but I think we lost <laughs> in the first round to uh, to uh, California with Jason Kidd um, in the last second as well. Uh, wow. But I, I'm gonna leave that in the middle. So, but that's uh, let's leave that up to people to, to to research. But I think it was the first round. Okay. Okay. Um, 
can you just talk more about uh, you know Shaq? He, <laughs> you know, he he's such a legend uh, even in today's game as a, as an NBA analyst. But uh, when 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 checking out his college career, he also made a big uh, improvement. You know, from freshman to to junior year. Can you just talk more about his evolution from freshman? Uh, to, to junior when he went hard. I mean, let, let me first say, I mean, he was, he's just an amazing, amazing basketball player. You know, uh, I'm going to come back to what, to your question, but w when people now talk and compare big men, um, you know, I, I believe he, uh, and, and I understand it, you know, Will Chamberlain, Bill Russell, uh, you know, all the other guys that are compared Kareem Abdul-Jabbar. I, I do not believe that anybody, any of those guys could stop Shaq. And the other way around, he could have. So, I mean, just an unbelievable, unbelievable uh, basketball player. Now, he came in uh, to LSU, uh, you know, in, in the story or the, the, the note that I just uh, described earlier. When he was 17, and he was, uh, you know, for his uh, standards, relatively skinny and still growing, you know, growing, you know, in, in – size-wise and not necessarily height-wise but size-wise definitely so he was young and I remember that first summer when he was 17 I thought at one point I was isolated against him in pickup games in the summer uh, isolated against him and somebody else shot and I thought I had him solidly boxed out at the block you know about uh, a meter and a half away from the rim and solidly and and somehow he jumped straight up and, and stretched out and over rebounded and dunked it over me. I was like, this is physically impossible. And that's when he was, I mean, this is, you know, mathematically, uh, geo, geometrically, I mean, impossible, I thought. And that was just my first, uh, you know, really, uh, uh, and that was early when he got there. One of the first, uh, maybe the first week, second week of pickup games. And then, uh, you know, obviously everybody knows how he dominated college basketball. And he just got bigger and bigger and bigger. I mean, you know, he worked hard at his game uh, every day to, to the point where it was annoying almost. Uh, he was at such high intensity where, uh, where you know, somebody on his, oppose, uh, on his team, and I was on the other team, uh, would shoot an air ball, the ball would bounce out of bounds. It would chase it down, way out of bounds, bring it back inbounds, dunk on everybody and said, there's no out of bounds here. You know, and <laughs> we thought we had finally stopped the starting five and, and had some sort of a sense of, uh, of accomplishment and he erased that. So his intensity was super, super high, worked hard, got bigger and bigger and stronger and stronger. And obviously nobody could stop him. Did he, did he have a softer touch when he came uh, at LSU at 17 because I remember watching some of his uh, high school highlights and he could you know he could shoot he could he could shoot the mid-range he could shoot the free throws quite well what happened in college well in college uh, look I don't know much about his uh, high school career um, uh, but in college you know he was uh, I mean that was the knock uh, that people outside of LSU basketball if they wanted to bring up something that Shaq could work on uh, as, as a negative, uh, his touch. But, but I never thought at that point in time when, when there wasn't an opponent as, as strong and physically dominant as he was to, uh, to work on that. But why, would you, why would you pass up an 80% shot for, yeah. for something that's still a good, maybe a good touch turnaround jumper or, or a face-up jumper that is even when it's good, it's 50%. Why? why? I mean, it doesn't make any sense. Mm -hmm. So, uh, you know, the further in his career, of course, when he got uh, opponents that were close to, or closer to his size and closer to his strength, 
he developed a, a touch or had a touch already, but developed it more, came more to the forefront um, because uh, he, he uh, was in need of counter moves, of course. And, uh, but I thought he always had good hands. Um, we also know all of his uh, free throw woes a little bit, but um, you know, he worked on that. We had shooting coaches at LSU. You know, Bill Walton came in and worked with us. Uh, you know, all the big time uh, players came in. Uh, ex-players came in to work with Shaq. Everybody wanted to help. And he was eager. He was uh, soaking it all up. And, uh, you know, um, to get back to your question, I'm not really sure if a touch was needed in college. Yeah, and, yeah, yeah. Uh, I, I think that would have been a, a secondary option that would be less effective at that time. Mm -hmm. And when talking about big men, NBA big men centers, uh, like, uh, I mean, yourself and uh, and Shaq, but, you know, generally centers in the NBA and the evolution of basketball and how it's, you know, switching to a positionless game with a three-point culture and everything. Um, what's your opinion? First of all, do, do you watch the game today? You know, do you like the game? And uh, how do you feel about the kind of extinction of the old-school center position? I'm not happy with either. <laughs> I'm just not happy with either. Um... I understand it's a whole marketing mechanism behind it with the elimination of the hand checking, uh, the back and in and the post. But I think uh, it becomes one dimensional right now. I mean, just this morning, I believe uh, I checked the NBA, uh, NBA uh, games. I do check it still. Uh, and I think uh, the Portland Trailblazers shot 55 uh, threes uh, <laughs> last night, 55 threes as opposed to uh, 35 twos. And that just becomes difficult to watch. And, and then of the 35 twos, I didn't watch the game, but I can imagine there were some, uh, some long, long twos as well. So the post-up game is uh, they, don't, they do not necessarily go to uh, Anas Kanter in the post. They don't go to anybody in the post, really. So, and that's just an example because I saw it this morning. But um, I find the NBA harder and harder to watch, to be honest. And uh, I understand that... Uh, Young people watching, uh, watching your, uh, your, your shows uh, probably, ah, oh, here's one of them old, old guys again, talking about the old times, talking about the old times. But I think, uh, I think uh, and I'm, I'm in no position to advise uh, Adam Silver or anybody with the NBA, but I think if you adjust some rules back to where there's a two-dimensional attack possible, at least, to where post-play and uh, big guys are rewarded, uh, or where it becomes more efficient to go to big guys on the post, that uh, that the game becomes more attractive in, in, in the long run. Mm -hmm. And is it, I would have to agree with you, and I, I talked to a few uh, legends, for example, and, and Hall of Fame players, uh, specifically, I remember Dino Raja saying exactly the same, you know, things, but in the, the same message, but in different words. Uh, do you think it's happening because we just simply don't have dominant players like, you know, Shaq, uh, Olajuwon, or, you know, David Robinson, you know, players, players that, that are, you know, just dominating the game or, or is it, or is it, you know, just uh, because of, you know, three pointers? Yeah, no, I, I don't think it's the, the, the former, it's rather the latter. It's, it's the adjustment of, of the, the correction, what, what the NBA thought, the correction of the rules, where they, they uh, reasoned probably uh, that uh, the, the non-hand-checking rule, the non-backing-in, mm -hmm. would mm -hmm. create more space, which it 
does obviously and would create more star power which it also does so from a marketing perspective uh you cannot you cannot fault the nba at all i mean uh, since the these rules have been changed the nba has gotten bigger and bigger and bigger um my worry is that uh, that that it will have a backlash in the end and have some sort of a correction uh, correction uh, correctional nature and somehow we have to get back to that now do i believe that these guys don't exist anymore no not at all i think uh, there are i don't know about shacks but uh, there are big guys that can play on the block definitely i mean we have Joel Embiid right now mm. who in in uh, who 15 years ago would live on the block only yeah but also he uh, has a tendency to uh, to uh, gravitate towards the three point line and uh, and uh, do other things that's that's not necessarily his fault that is uh, the way the nba is right now and uh, that that spread the court sort of thing also him drawing away the defender for other guys uh, to get to the rim if they don't shoot threes um is analytically uh, more effective at this point so uh unless that has changed uh, teams will not change this so we have to go back we have to go back to hand check to hand checking <laughs> i th i think the physicality uh of 15 years ago is uh, was uh, a major for me um, to, i'm just speaking of myself the, the physicality of the game 15 years ago and maybe even 20 years ago was for me a charming factor and a reason to watch uh, the nba more so than today that's a nice way to put it and i th i think people are uh, really reminisce those old times and because uh, that's what i've noticed from uh, the content that we produce uh, most of our old school videos with an occasional brawl here and there tend to do really well. And people always comment, you know, similar things. I, you know, I, mi I miss the old physical basketball <laughs> NBA. Yeah, so. but that, yeah, also, I, I agree with you wholeheartedly. Uh, I also think it's a, uh, it's a uh, derivative of uh, society as a whole. I mean, where 20 years ago, a brawl be between Barkley and Shaq was brushed off. I mean, mm -hmm. no big deal, part of the game. I mean, now any sort of, uh, if somebody breathes the wrong direction, it's blown up as, uh, as aggression and I don't know, all yeah, sorts yeah, of yeah. exaggerated stuff, you know? So, uh, you know, the NBA, of course, has to balance that. Uh, we don't live in, uh, in a society that's equal to, uh, or the same as uh, 25 years ago. Yeah, I would have to agree. The, the, I think the weirdest, uh, Technical technical call that I saw was a couple of weeks ago when JJ Redick passed the ball to the ref and it hit his foot, and <laughs> immediately the ref gave him a technical because yeah, it was a yeah. it was a sign of aggression apparently. But uh, okay, uh, let's talk about your NBA career. Um, you you know you had a great uh, your, you had a great senior year. Uh, you were uh, drafted by Orlando uh, where Shaq played at the time. Um, what happened there? And I guess, why was your career so, so short? You only played a few games in Orlando and then you had a stint with uh, the Warriors. Well, first, um, I, was, uh, I was drafted uh, in the first round. Um, in the last year, uh, that guaranteed three-year guaranteed contracts to first-round draft picks uh, was, not was not mandatory. The year after I was drafted, Brooks Thompson was drafted by the Orlando Magic in the, in the first round the year after. And uh, in between those two years, they made it mandatory to offer first-round draft picks three-year contracts. So 
I was the last one to, to not get one. Um, um, also, um, uh, with management of the Orlando Magic, it, it was reasoned that uh, effectively, I only really played one year of college basketball. I was there five years, but averaged about eight minutes as a backup to Shaq. And then the last year, of course, I played a lot more. So in that reasoning, uh, they suggested I play a year overseas uh, after I was drafted in the first round. So uh, between college and, and the Orlando Magic, I played EuroLeague for Cantu a year, um, then came back um, and uh, played one game that season, uh, the end of the, the Italian season yeah, and the EuroLeague season. So I played uh, one or two games, I believe, uh, that year. Um, but that was also uh, because I was only there a month at the end of the season. Then uh, the next year, I was there all season. And um, look, I don't want to, I don't want to overstate or ex exaggerate uh, any of my abilities or my MBA potential or any of that. But uh, you know, uh, I was a backup to Shaq at LSU. I was a backup to Shaq and others, uh, you know, in the NBA. And uh, also, I have, I've. You know, everybody has their, their sprained ankles and their broken bones and that sort of thing. But I've had only two really in, two more serious injuries mm -hmm. in, in my career where I broke my face once in Cantu, actually. Um, and uh, that, that, that first year with the Orlando Magic, somehow my knee didn't work with me. Okay. And, uh, you know, we were looking for solutions. And after that first year in Orlando, um, I went back to the Netherlands and somehow have it, had it solved uh, with some insoles. Apparently, one leg was a little bit shorter than the other, which most people have. Um, and it was solved. So I called uh, management of the Orlando Magic mm -hmm. and said, it's solved, man. I mean, you know, I'm going to be there 100%. So they were, yeah, sure. <laughs> so <laughs> that's something got Horace Grant and... Uh, and uh, uh, John Conkak and the Tree Rollins. And then I think when I came back, we had uh, seven big guys. It was so, very competitive. At the you know, I was released. Yeah, that second year I was released uh, right before Christmas as a Christmas gift. I'm, I'm just kidding. I mean, that's just business, I understand. But it, it just coincided with Christmas. Went to the then G League, was CBA. Mm -hmm. uh, played pretty well and uh, was called up by the, by the uh, Golden State Warriors. Mm-hmm. Mm -hmm. um, the NBA was just super, you know, competitive back then in terms of especially big men. Like like we talked earlier, it, it was a totally different different league, different game. Um, can you talk about your you know relationship with with Shaq? Because I also noticed when doing some research about you, like you said, you played with him at LSU, uh, you played with him in Orlando, and then there's the Blue Chips movie. How did that come about? <laughs> Okay, now obviously there's the LSU connection when I got to the Orlando Magic. And uh, I think my, my relationship with Shaq was, uh, was uh, good, reasonably good, uh, in the sense that, uh, you know, I had other teammates that I was maybe uh, more so befriended with. And I'll tell you why. I, I don't necessarily think that uh, was because of Shaq or me. But with other teammates, uh, it was pretty easy to go out and have a drink or go <laughs> eat something. I mean, I don't think Shaq could, you know, really go out much. I mean, he was, you know, not harassed, but swarmed all the, everywhere he went. So, you know, you obviously bond more with guys that you do uh, non-basketball related things uh, with a, a little bit more. 
Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, at, at LSU, that was the case already. First of all, he was 17. And the first year, he was not allowed to go out. He was not 18 yet. And, uh, and after that, he was so famous, probably barely could move. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, so, but I think overall, our, our relationship was good. He's, uh, I, I already mentioned his, uh, his uh, incredibly high intensity uh, at all times, which is uh, not always easy for teammates, but um, not only Shaq, but if you, if you uh, uh, dive into the history of uh, other greats, um, what they share, I think, is that high intensity and that, uh, that, uh, that, that all the time killer instinct sort of thing. Mm-hmm. So, uh, you know, I think that's, uh, that's, uh, that's almost necessary if you want to reach those sort of levels. Um, and, but you also always hear that it's not always easy for teammates. Yeah? But uh, I, th- I think Shaq, first of all, is highly intelligent, super funny. And, uh, I mean, you know that. Everybody knows that, his, 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 uh, his clown side. And uh, that kept uh, things uh, incredibly balanced, and it was a good thing. Um, I'm sorry, I'm veering off of your question. What was no, your that's question? Fine. And then uh, the Blue Chips movie, how, how yeah, did that come there up? you go. So, um, you know, the LSU connection was there, and, and Shaq actually, actually at that time had, uh, uh, I, I don't know what the correct term is, but maybe a personal manager that was also a, a teammate of ours at LSU. And uh, this was filmed, obviously, in the off-season, Blue Chips, mm-hmm. and uh, it's, uh, the, the personal manager and our teammate at uh, LSU's name is Dennis Tracy. And I got a call from Dennis, and he, uh, and he said, uh, hey, you want to be in a movie? I said, come on, Dennis. <laughs> I, I already had done some, uh, some commercials with Shaq. Yeah? Mm-hmm. Um, um, Reebok commercial, I think a Pepsi commercial, and uh, you know, where, where, where Shaq comes, goes off the court, drinks Pepsi, comes back and dunks on people. You know, I, was that, <laughs> I, was, I was that guy. Uh, I was that guy in those commercials, yeah. But, um, I mean, I was used to it. Also in practice, that happened. So, um, so Dennis called me. I said, you want to be in a movie? I said, come on, man. I said, yeah, a movie. Uh, yeah, fly to, uh, I believe it was North Carolina or Indiana, one of those huge uh, basketball states where they can fill gyms even when, uh, when, uh, when, when it's for shooting a basketball movie. I mm-hmm. said, Dennis, of course I want to. So I, I, I jumped on the plane, flew there, uh, was picked up from uh, the airport straight into uh, some sort of a makeshift barbershop, had to have my hair cut. And then, uh, you know, played on the team with uh, Bobby Knight. And, uh, you know, uh, look, I have to excuse myself, and I'm sure he's tired of that. But, uh, you know, Al Bundy uh, was the journalist, and it was fun. And, and, of course, Nick Nolte. Went out with Nick Nolte and the guys one time. It was uh, just an overall interesting experience. That's great. That's an awesome story. Uh, really cool. Uh, let's talk about your uh, European career. Yeah, you actually had uh, a lot of success in Europe, and uh, uh, you, you won a couple of uh, German leagues uh, when, when you played in Germany, uh, the Greek Cup. Uh, how would you compare uh, overall European basketball to the NBA? And uh, maybe uh, back then, so let's, let, let, let's talk about eras, maybe like so from the 90s to the 2000s, and right now. Uh, since you said you don't really uh, like where the NBA is going, uh, you know how you f- how do you feel about the Euro Euro League and, and generally European basketball nowadays? I love watching Euro League basketball. Love it. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think, uh, and again, it's it's no knock on the individual NBA players. Obviously, they're super super talented, 
but uh, I'm not, I, I don't want to turn on my TV or uh, some sort of an internet pass that I have to something to watch one-on-one -on -one basketball. I'm just yeah. not interested in that. Um, I like the intricacies of uh, playing together and whether that results in a bunch of th threes or a balance between twos and threes or a mid-range game, which is almost non-existent or uh, post-up layups, that sort of thing. But if it's a, uh, if it's a result of uh, ball movement and togetherness and passing, uh, I don't, I don't really care if it's Euro League or Euro Cup or uh, Dutch League or Belgian League. I mean, you know, I, I think I, I can find in most uh, European basketball leagues at, at, at the decent level to the top levels, I can find uh, things uh, where I enjoy watching it. Um, that is not to say that I don't enjoy any of the NBA games. Uh, I, I, I kind of still watch a lot of uh, NBA playoff games. So. Um, that's when intensity steps uh, kicks in a little bit and the one-on-one uh, -on -one defense, but also the team rotation seem mm -hmm. to sharpen up a little bit and uh, the intensity of obviously uh, picks up a little bit. And, and I also like, you know, to, 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 to put a little asterisk by what I said earlier, uh, love, I kind of love watching uh, NBA playoff basketball, but European basketball, I think is, um, is also veering away from uh, post play. But in, in a more sensible manner, um, um, uh, as is in a summary, really, and I said it already, I, I enjoy watching EuroLeague basketball and, and also a few levels below that, sure. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And uh, just, you know, just briefly uh, with, your, um, with your European career, you know, what was Germany like? Uh, what was uh, Greece like? Uh, perhaps from the fan, fan st standpoint, because most of our uh, American fans don't really understand the, uh, mm. I guess, the, atmos the atmosphere in games and everything that happens. Well, that depends really from culture to culture and country to country. Uh, I played, of course, three years for Alba Berlin, Berlin and Coach Pesic. Mm -hmm. um, which was an amazing period, really. I mean, uh, still left with a bunch of friends there. Um, we had, of course, uh, uh, a good number of German national team players on the team, uh, sparsed with uh, a couple of non-German players. Mm -hmm. Now, mind you, uh, ah, I'm getting back to, I remember one of your other questions, so why was your NBA career so short? So in uh -huh. 1996, when I was done with the Golden State Warriors, mm -hmm. the Bosman role came in. And with my Dutch passport, of course, I could play in Greece for, with, as a Greek. Uh, player and or in Italy as an Italian so that's kind of why I had to make the, the, the decision uh, to go back to Europe mm -hmm. or try to latch on for for um, uh, with uh, with another NBA team so that's the reason why 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 do I think of that right now because at that time you know the Bosman rule was still in effect as well so uh, I played as a as a Bosman player in, in most of those countries in, in Greece I played as a Bosman player Mm -hmm. And um, so, but, but back to the Berlin years, I mean, it was just amazing. You know, we were the team to be, uh, to beat, uh, which uh, I like as a, you know, as a player to be in that position. Um, and the chemistry, I mean, we were worked so hard uh, with Coach Pesic. I mean, it was every day, twice a day, two hours, you know, taped twice. I mean, yeah. and then, yeah. I mean it was incredibly hard, but... Uh, we went through that um, 
with the with the 12 players to 15 players i don't know exactly also some young german players of course and it creates uh, a uh, a connection you know if you go to 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 throw pain together <laughs> through uh, valleys together and then of course uh, there need to be peaks as well and rewards and we have plenty of those that creates bonds and um, i believe i can uh, i can call most of my uh, alba berlin uh, teammates from back then uh, still call them friends. So that's one, but to the crowds, you know, it, it depends a little bit of what culture, you're in. you know, the yeah. German culture is the German culture. And it's actually very, uh, very similar to the Dutch culture. Um, mm -hmm. And, you know, we had the Max Schmeling Halle back then. Uh, now, of course, they're in the Mercedes Benz arena in, uh, in, uh, in Berlin, but it was uh, mostly sold out. Um, and, and great fans with Oliver Berlin, great fans. And I'm not saying one is better than the other. But there were much smaller crowds when I was with Panionios or with Ike or with uh, mm -hmm. with Ares. Mm -hmm. But they were incredibly crazy, and I mean <laughs> crazy in a positive sense. Yeah, uh, um, you know, I, I remember games uh, with uh, with either three of the uh, the teams that we played in Greece that I played with, <clears throat> where where you come an hour and a half before the game, and there's uh, an entire section and one quarter of the court already packed with fans singing jumping dancing so you walk in a gym and they're already already screaming jumping i mean and singing these these uh these uh these orchestrated synchronized war songs yeah, yeah, I mean, yeah beautiful yeah. <laughs> so you walk in a gym and you have goosebumps already yeah, and then yeah. you you go get taped and change and you come out to, to get your uh, pre-warm-up shots and they're still doing the same exact thing then the game starts and they do it throughout the game then you go take a shower and get dressed and they're still there. It's, I mean, it's amazing. I, I, you know, of course I've been, I lived in the United States for seven years playing basketball, but for the, uh, the uh, average American fan or all American fans, unless you actually go to one of those games in, in Greece or in Italy or, uh, you know, in Cantuna, it was the same, or uh, maybe, uh, you know, famously in the, uh, in the, um, uh, arena in Bel Belgrade. Yeah, I mean, uh, the, the scenes there when they play. I mean, as an American basketball fan, if you have some money, fly over to Europe, buy a ticket, and, and you, you, it's, it's an amazing experience. It's definitely uh, highly recommended. Yeah, the home court advantage is literally a home court advantage. It's hard to lose yes. a game with that crowd, you know. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, you have uh, two sons, Shane and uh, Nick, who were also three sons, sorry. Three. Uh, uh, okay. V Wikipedia needs to update there. Uh, <laughs> okay. Yeah. Uh, so you have, you have three sons. I'm, I'm assuming most, all of them are uh, dealing with basketball. And I. They used to. They, they used, used to. to. Yeah. I mean, uh, uh, in 1994, uh, we were blessed with our first son, <laughs> Shane. Um, and uh, 14 months later, we had uh, twins. So within uh, 14 months, we had three kids. Uh, wow. <laughs> yes. I mean, and that's when I was in Orlando. So uh, we, we, couldn't, we, we, we couldn't find a way fast enough to get an au pair over there. Uh, mm -hmm. So we got a Dutch au pair to Orlando who helped us out uh, tremendously. Uh, because, you know, with one baby in diapers, you may be able to go do some grocery shopping. Or, or, and with it two, it's difficult. But with three, it's impossible. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, you know, and I was on the road uh, maybe a week, two weeks at a time on a West Coast trip. 
and it was just impossible. So uh, three songs within 14, uh, within 14 months. Um, they all were heavily involved with basketball. I never ever pushed them that direction, but you know, they, uh, they wanted to go that direction. Uh, they all, all three of them played college basketball. Um, and uh, at this time, uh, Shane is the one that's uh, still playing professionally for Charleroi in Belgium. And I saw that Shane is um, also involved with the national team. That's right. Uh, He's uh, from the moment that, uh, well, actually, I think somewhere when he was in college, he started playing for the Dutch national team. He was always playing for the national youth teams. Uh, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Uh, uh, but uh, when he was in college, or maybe even before, I don't remember a senior team. But mm -hmm. I would say for the past, um, what is he, 26 right now? For the past seven years, in some capacity, he's been involved with the, with the Dutch mm -hmm. national men's team. Yeah. And uh, I think I noticed him uh, maybe a year ago or something when, 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 when Croatia played the Netherlands. I think we even lost that game uh, to you guys, um, which was, I mean, to be quite honest, which was surprising to me because I guess... Uh, Here you, you know, go, man. Here you go. You Why know, is that surprising? No, no, no. <laughs> no listen, it, it was surprising to me because uh, I've never uh, seen... I guess, uh, uh, you know, Netherlands compete uh, on a very, very high level in terms of like European uh, championships, that sort of stuff. So in recent years, I feel that you guys made a big uh, jump, uh, you know, yes. with, with Shane and the crew. So that's why I guess it was surprising. Uh, uh, you know, oh, man, I'm giving you a hard time. I understand why that's surprising. Look, um, we actually beat you guys twice. We also twice. beat you okay. uh, last uh, last bubble, you know, three weeks ago, four weeks ago uh, mm -hmm. in Turkey. Uh, mm -hmm. We beat you guys again. Yeah. yeah but yeah. I was uh, doing TV commentating mm -hmm. at the first game here in the Netherlands when uh, when uh, we we I mean we is such a strange word when they the, the Dutch national team it's only those guys really yeah yeah, yeah. Um, beat Croatia yeah I was doing a national team. Uh, uh, co-commentating and um, uh, as a matter of fact the guy you mentioned earlier Dino Raja was sitting behind us and mm -hmm. he wasn't happy you know I played against Dino uh, quite a bit <laughs> yeah. uh, I played I played against him with Orlando and the Boston uh, Celtics rivalry of course in, uh, in in the playoffs but also in the conference then I played against him with the Dutch national team against Croatia when we didn't win <laughs> And uh, so I know him, well, I don't know if he knows me, but I know him pretty well as a player. And he was sitting behind us, and boy, they, and with, with, uh, with the delegation of Croatian uh, uh, Federation guys, mm -hmm. I suppose. Mm -hmm. And they weren't happy, Harry. They weren't happy. Uh, they also thought it was surprising or at least uh, uh, maybe unnecessary, but they lost that game and they weren't happy. And then... Um, you know, uh, like I said, three weeks ago in that last bubble in Turkey, uh, beat uh, Croatia again. Mm -hmm. um, and uh, yeah, it's, it speaks to two things, really. Uh, it'd be unfair not to mention the fact that Croatia is without a couple of players, of course, that play EuroLeague and, uh, and NBA. Mm -hmm. But that doesn't matter. Nobody remembers that in, uh, in, in a couple of years. But yeah. that's one point. And the other point is that Dutch basketball is getting better. Mm -hmm. It's getting better each year. We have uh, incredibly talented players um, that are on the team right now. Um, and uh, and uh, look, I mean, and I, I don't mean to speak disparagingly about the guards 20 years ago, the Dutch national team, but 
the the main the main focus for years and years uh, for the Dutch national team has been the bigs in in Rick Smith, uh, Francisco Elson, uh, Dan Gatzudic, Mike Nahar, uh, Marcel Huybens, and to a certain extent myself. Uh, but now, uh, you know, it's pretty well balanced. Uh, we have good guards in uh, Charlon Clove, uh, Yannick Franke, uh, Kai van der Vuurste Vries, who's coming up, who's only, I think, 19, mm-hmm. uh, and Shane. And uh, that's a good mix. And I'm obviously, I'm forgetting some guys, but uh, the Dutch guys know who I'm talking about. Uh, and it's a good mix with the bigs, uh, you know, with uh, Mohamed Karazzi, uh, uh, Chito Kok, and um, mm-hmm. Thomas van der Mars and the Schaftenaar brothers. Um, it's a good mix right now, and that's the guys that are playing right now. But we also have a, a, a generation coming up that is mm-hmm. either now in college or in the youth systems that uh, that have uh, that have good talent. So mm-hmm. I think we, we'll be uh, we'll be um, a tough team to beat in the future. Yeah. Uh, yes. In in the future, maybe hopefully a tough team to beat. Yes. Yeah. Um, what is the uh, Dutch league like? You're currently uh, head coach of, uh, sorry if I pronounce this incorrectly, uh, ZZ Leiden. <laughs> uh, what is, uh, you know, the league like? And what, uh, are any of your players uh, competing uh, uh, or playing for the national team? And uh, uh, I guess uh, in terms of, um, you know, uh, the money, the financials, the, the facilities, uh, Well, well, is let's it, do one. Is it, is it, one no, no, question no. at a time. Yeah. Yeah. I just want to kind of, kind of understand it better and compare it because, for example, when talking about Croatia, our league is totally in, in the shits, <laughs> for lack of a better word. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Well, I mean, let me start by by uh, giving an example. Um, you know, we talked a little bit about uh, uh, Raja sitting behind uh, us and watching that national team game. Uh, and being somewhat surprised at the level that Dutch basketball has uh, accumulated, at least in the, uh, with the national team. But we also have some foreign coaches coaching here in the 12 teams that we have. And uh, if you talk to them, or if anybody would talk to them, I think the first thing they would say is, uh, I'm surprised at the level here. Um, it's, pretty, it's a pretty high level. We see that also recently. In recent years, where uh, uh, Donar Groningen and uh, ZZ Leiden, Zorgenzekerheid Leiden, but ZZ Leiden is okay, mm-hmm. um, have been successful in uh, Europe Cup play and uh, in, uh, Champions League play. Um, so that's one. Um, last year, I think there were nine or ten teams. This year, there's 12 with just three new teams there. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's an expansion of the league. Uh, of, of course, the country is small. So everything is uh, is uh, within travel distance on the day of the road game. Mm-hmm. Uh, competition is fierce. It is uh, modern basketball. Uh, it's modern basketball. The skill sets of the players are pretty good. Um, you know, most teams uh, most teams employ a majority of Dutch players. Uh, where I have uh, with CC Light, and I have uh, I believe four uh, four non-Dutch players. Uh, Groningen has more, uh, but also Zwolle and Den Bosch uh, rely on Dutch players pretty heavily. And, um, you know, the, the teams from in, in the mid-range in the standings and, and below even more so. So it's definitely a, a good balance between uh, uh, competitive basketball and the developmental basketball. Um, 
and the league is uh, is uh, is pretty solid now maybe maybe you know maybe you do not but uh, there's a merger between the belgian league and the dutch league next year okay. Okay. it's called right now it's gonna the, the the both both sides of the merger meaning the belgian side and the dutch side are still looking for a workable name but for now it's called the bena league be for belgium and ne for netherlands bena league mm-hmm. um and uh, next year's going to be super uh, interesting. Uh, there's going to be national leagues to determine who then goes from that uh, country into the international leagues afterwards. Mm-hmm. But mm-hmm. there's a whole uh, league throughout the season as well between Belgium and, uh, and Dutch teams. I think it's a good development mm-hmm. and um, you know, it'll be interesting to see what happens next year. Mm-hmm. Very cool. Very cool. Um, it, it really sounds like a very healthy, uh, you know, si- system, I guess, um, Overall, something that uh, I'm afraid we're not seeing uh, in Croatia so much, and I guess primarily because of lack of uh, financials and most of the money is directed to football, <laughs> the number one sport. Um, um, yeah, uh, Gerrit, you know, uh, that's pretty much it. You know, thank you for, for your time. Uh, we, we like to finish all of our interviews with a series of quick fire questions. So oh, really, geez. Okay. So really... I'm, <laughs> Some of them might be a bit more complicated, but uh, let's try to keep them short. <laughs> so, uh, I, quick fire means uh, one one word answers or quick answers, or kind of take. A oh, one, one, thing. one word, one word, one word answers uh, for the most part. But there, Ooh, all right. Actually, okay, two words if we're talking about a name of a player. Uh, so, okay, uh, best international player of all time, in your opinion. Nowitzki. Okay. Um, the best teammate you ever played with? Or your best teammate? Okay, one word answer. Okay, basketball, Shaq. Okay. And in terms of teammate, like being, you know, uh, you know, m- more more than basketball, I guess you, you can you can extend it to that. You know, you know we talked about that to friends, but there's uh, my one word answer is many. Many. Okay. Uh, the best shooter of all time. Curry. Okay. Who is the goat, in your opinion? Boy, controversial right here. <laughs> but uh, before it's all said and done, I'd say LeBron. LeBron. Okay. Um, and this might get a bit complicated. Uh, your all-time starting five. Shaq. Olajuwon. James. Jordan. Oh, it's hard to leave. Shaq, Olajuwon, well, James, Jordan. Yeah, okay. Uh, Jordan would have to play some points. I'm going with Bird. Wow. And, and who's playing the four? Who's playing the five? Uh, allowed you on four. Yeah, that makes five. sense. Yeah, yeah. What a team. What a team. Um, and then you said you, you love watching playoff basketball uh, still. And uh, who do you think is going to win it all this year? Healthy Lakers. Okay, so no Brooklyn. <laughs> Lakers. Lakers. Okay. 
perfect. Thank you so much, Gert. I uh, really enjoyed this. Uh, it's been great. And yeah, wish you all the best in the future with ZZ Leiden and the Netherlands. Um, take care. Thanks for your time and we'll talk soon.